Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 171. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary, going to be hanging out with you. We have a lot to get into today. Uh, I know it's usually a quiet time in the NFL right now, May and June, quieter, but July is going to come soon and that'll ramp things up a little bit with training camp coming. And next thing you know, it is time for the NFL season. Uh, as of when I'm recording this, I, I always record on Tuesday for Wednesday post. It's 100 days to the NFL season starts. So, like, you're going to get there eventually. We're going to make it there. Everything is going to be okay. Uh, it's some of my favorite my favorite things when we get to the NFL season. But I don't want to wish the summer away. Moral of the story, we have a lot to get into today. But before we do that, friends, family, loved ones, watchers of the channel, or listeners of the podcast, I bet you haven't purchased your Father's Day gift. I know I haven't. Not to fear, the leaders in Below the Waist Grooming are here. I'm talking about our friends over at Manscaped. They're saving the day yet again with the total package for the father figure in your life this year. It's time to upgrade his game from waist to face with this exclusive offer. Have him join the now eight million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with my code JETS20. That is J-E-T-S-2-0 for 20% off and free shipping. Take care of your father or your father figure. Get him something nice. All right, let's hop into the episode for today. I am excited to get into it. First, the topic of the day, first topic of the conversation will be Joe Douglas, actually, and where he ranks amongst uh, the best general managers in the sport. So NBC Sports Edge put out an article ranking the best general managers in the sport from worst to first and first is coming in at number one not a huge surprise Howie Roseman has done a phenomenal job uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles worst on the list is Nick Casario really not a surprise there he ranks uh, 30 because the the new hires uh, it's not really fair to judge them they haven't done anything yet or haven't given you enough rather I guess is the better way of saying it to give you a legitimate sample size of what they are going to be uh, as GMs at this level. But if you're curious where Joe Douglas ranks, they have him at essentially league average, 15th in the NFL, which I think is fair. I'm good with 15. Uh, I, I think an average GM is about fair for Joe Douglas. He has done a lot of things well, and he's also made some his mis- some mistakes. Here's what they have to say on Joe Douglas. At first, the Jets were a coach away, so they hired Robert Sala. Then they were a quarterback away, so they acquired Aaron Rodgers. Now they are one 8-9 season away from Joe Douglas losing his job if Gang Green doesn't deliver in 2023. The biggest move of Douglas's four-year Jets career has taken the training wheels off his front office. No more being graded on the Adam Gase curve. Douglas set the stage with a smashing 2022 draft, where his first round selections of Sauce and Garrett Wilson turned into a pair of Rookie of the Year awards. It was a necessary corrective on a 2021 offseason that saw Douglas stake his future to Zach Wilson's unproven college past. That pick is one of the biggest NFL disasters of the past five years, one that would have doomed nearly any other front office that it didn't in New York is something of a miracle for Douglas. But his past two springs have proven the benefit of the rarest NFL virtues, patience. Douglas's process has this roster on the verge of something great. Now all that is left are the results or a pink slip. That's pretty much been my stance on Joe Douglas and and Robert Sala at this point. 
Now, I know Salah's going into his third year, uh, and him and Joe Douglas aren't necessarily on the same timeline because you had a Douglas overlap with Adam Gase at the end of his tenure uh, with the New York Jets. But I think it is, without saying, a huge year for both Robert Salah and Joe Douglas. You have to go in with a legitimate, tangible step, which is making the playoffs with this team. You cannot miss the playoffs. As they say, eight and nine would be a disaster. They had that nice step up in the right direction, you know, going from a four win team to a seven win team. And obviously, things did not end well in the final six games of the 2022 season. But there is zero reason for Joe Douglas or Robert Sala to get a pass if they don't do the thing that they need to do this season, which is at an absolute floor make the playoffs. I think most people's expectation is for this team to win 11 or 12 games. I think that's where I see a lot of predictions. I've seen predictions as low as nine or 10 wins. I think that's a little bit on the pessimistic side when looking at this 2023 Jets team. I've seen uh, win predictions as high as 13 or 14. I think that's probably a little too optimistic. I think it probably falls somewhere in the middle. And if this Jets team and Aaron Rodgers win 11 or 12 games, make the playoffs, win a playoff game two, or hopefully more. We're hoping they win three plus, right? Uh, and are in a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl, then that's obviously the goal. But the bare, absolute bare minimum for Douglas is is making the playoffs. Anything less than that would be an unmitigated disaster. If they are nine and eight and are on the outside looking in, that's not enough to say, oh, well, yeah, at least you're over 500. That That is not enough. And there's pressure on this team, but it's there's time for there to be pressure on this team. And we've talked about it all offseason long. Uh, you're probably tired of hearing me say this, but now is the time for them to get aggressive. I like what Joe Douglas has done building some of the youth here. For instance, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall adding and supplementing your roster with veterans to go along with that young core because now is your opportunity to win before you have to pay all these guys. The thing that stinks about the NFL uh, is the salary cap, and you have to be within a certain range. You can't just go out and spend you know, endless and endless, endless amounts of, uh, of money and just sign every single player. You have to make difficult decisions of who you're going to cut, who you're going to decide to give an extension to, who you're going to have to potentially trade down the line. But for, for Joe Douglas right now, his job is to maximize a winning window in the next two to three years, uh, with, which is the assumption that is how long Aaron Rodgers is going to be around. Uh, there's a chance it could be just a one-and-done year. I would put that as a very slim chance. I think two is probably the most likely scenario for Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets, with maybe if things go right uh, and Aaron Rodgers is really going scorched earth, then you get a third year out of Aaron Rodgers, and that would be great. But uh, I was curious because we talked about it not on just Jets, but there was uh, an article ranking the coaches in the NFL from the 33rd team. Um, and Robert Sala came in at 27. Uh, no, excuse me. I'm sorry. 25, the seventh worst uh, head coach in the league. I had him at 22. So I'm a, a slightly more optimistic for Joe Douglas. I think 15 is, is fair. I think he is right about a middle of the pack GM. Some GMs in front of her in front of him, excuse me, Chris, Greer of the Dolphins at 14, Brad Holmes of the Lions at 13, Jerry Jones at 12, Eric DaCosta with the Ravens at 11, 
Mickey Loomis of the Saints at 10, John Schneider of the Seahawks at 9, Gunk, uh, uh, Brian Gutekunst of the Packers, there we go, uh, which is interesting. Um, I think that maybe is a little optimistic. Belichick at 7, uh, that might be a little high for him at this point as a GM, not a coach, but as a GM. Uh, McVay and Lesneed are 6. Uh, Duke Tobin and Mike Brown of the Bengals are five. Sean McDermott, and Brandon Bean of the Bills are four. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch at three. Andy Reid, Brett Veach at two. And number one, as I mentioned, Howie Roseman. So maybe you could talk me up to, I think 13 is probably the highest that I would go for Joe. Maybe bump him up a couple spots, but somewhere just outside the top 10 to middle of the pack. I think is more than fair with Joe Douglas. And again, if winning, I said it with Robert, if they start winning games and start winning playoff games and this next crop of the draft from the 2023 draft class comes in and performs well, I'm not saying 2022 well, that's such an outlier, uh, but it's just a solid draft class, then there's a chance that they can even go up higher on this list. Um, But I, I thought that was an interesting uh, article an interesting exercise in the offseason to to rank and just take a look at where the Jets are and you know I, I can't say that it's not surprising that Joe Douglas ranks higher than Robert Sala on a lot of these lists because with Douglas they'll point to that last year's draft class in 2022 and to some of those trades which I think are absolutely uh, worthy of of the praise where Robert Sala, the the record on the field is put more on Sala than it is on Douglas. And I don't know if that's necessarily right or wrong. Uh, I think both should be held to a standard that they, they need to be a playoff team this year. But for whatever reason, I think from both the fans' perspective and also the national media, I think Douglas has a little bit of a longer leash than Robert Sala uh, at this time, and the perspective, uh, I guess, is a little bit higher. More people are higher on Joe Douglas than they are uh, on on Robert Sala. So uh, that was an interesting discussion and something that I wanted to get into. the The next thing that I wanted to talk about. So Aaron Rodgers, this past weekend, Memorial Day weekend, made his MetLife Stadium debut, uh, and it was not in a Jets uniform. Instead, it was at the Taylor Swift concert. The Eras tour made its way to MetLife Stadium. Uh, and I'm sure you saw the videos and the clips going around of Aaron Rodgers. Dan- well, so first this started with a video. I guess it was leading up to the the tour coming to MetLife Stadium where the Jets play earlier in the week. And they asked Rogers, what his favorite Taylor Swift, or they asked the team what his favorite, uh, what their favorite Taylor Swift song was. And Rogers' answer, he had a full in depth answer. It wasn't just like, I don't know, pay, pick the biggest radio hit, you know, shake it off or, or whatever, even though there was video of him dancing to that song. But he went in. Uh, he is, what a, f- now I'm going to forget the name of the album that he said. Folklore? I believe that was the name of the album that he talks about. The I, August was his favorite song off that album. Um, but he proved that he is a fan and went not once, but twice. He went to two of the three shows at MetLife. And, you know, the videos of him dancing went viral, which was funny. Uh, but then there was also a point in the show where the confetti's fallen. And it's a video of him 
Uh, and he's like, oh, the Jets won the Super Bowl, like, you know, playing like, you know, if they won and the confetti uh, is fallen, which I'm sure that people are going to run with and say is such a terrible thing. Uh, kind of like the video of, um, I believe, yeah, it was in spring training of the Mets uh, play celebrating uh, after after a practice uh, or a training session. And that, that video went viral. But uh, I, I think... I don't know. Let, let him have fun. It's it was a silly it was a silly video. It's not like he's going out there saying that I'm predicting the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I don't know. It it is what it is, and, and the game wouldn't be at MetLife anyway. So uh, I don't know. Confetti coming down. He's in MetLife. I don't I don't mind him. You know, saying what he said there. Uh, but I did think it was funny that Aaron Rodgers' first appearance as a New York Jet in MetLife Stadium was for a Taylor Swift show. Uh, now, could they have brought uh, sh- uh, brought him there and, and showed him, you know, gave him a tour? I guess so. I-, I feel like if they did that, don't you think they that would have been on on socials with the video team? You know, Aaron Rodgers walking out into the field. Uh, I-, I feel like we haven't seen that. We we obviously got the video of him walking into the facility and the jet sweatshirt and the whole day of the press conference and all that. Uh, we we saw all those videos. We got all that stuff. Uh, but we haven't, up until this point, seen Aaron Rodgers walking out onto the field at MetLife Stadium. He was on the floor, but it's for Taylor Swift, which is just <laughs> so funny. Uh, again, not really a huge uh, a football storyline per se, but uh, was a really good or funny thing with a couple of viral videos thrown in the mix there. So love that. I'm sure if you have a sister or girlfriend or wife you've heard about the eras tour or if you're just on the internet in general uh both my sister and my girlfriend went they went to the philly show a few weeks ago so i've heard about this tour nonstop for for months uh so it finally coming through uh metlife stadium and aaron Rodgers there you finally got that the jets and taylor swift crossover there so uh, we had something to talk about at, at the dinner table where our our lives crossed together with the with the Rogers and uh, with the Rogers and Taylor Swift stuff, which is just things you absolutely love to see. I want to bring back. We did it a little bit last week where we played some clips, some audio files. So I'm going to bring the segment back audio files before we get to the voicemails. A couple of storylines that I wanted to get into. The first clip that I'll play uh, is of Chris Canty. Chris Canty of ESPN. Uh, he was on Get Up, uh, and this was from earlier today. And he is speaking about Aaron Rodgers in a goat conversation. Let's let's play the clip and react to it. How here's how Chris Canty believes that Aaron Rodgers can put himself in a goat conversation. Thinking about this this weekend. Where does he rank for you among all-time NFL quarterbacks? Oh, he's in that GOAT conversation. He's absolutely in the GOAT conversation, top five quarterbacks of all time. And here's the thing, guys. You got to have multiple championships to be there, right? You're talking about Tom Brady. You're talking about Joe Montana. You're talking about Peyton Manning. You're talking about John Elway. Hell, you're talking about Pat Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers ain't there. He's only won one chip, only been to one Super Bowl. If he would be able to exercise those demons, in his words, keep that Lombardi trophy case at Florham Park from being so lonely and add another one to it, then yeah, all of a sudden we're talking about the four-time MVP being in the conversation for the greatest quarterbacks of all time. 
Thinking about so this I this feel like that was a little bit of a, of a cop out because uh, the goat conversation. I, to me, there is no way that any play, I, and I'm sure people have said this about Joe Montana, but I'll, I'll say it about Brady. I don't think there is any way that someone is going to surpass what Tom Brady did in his career with the amount of championships he won uh, and the individual accolades is just absolutely un unheard of. And to play at a high level for as long as he did was just flat out, you know, insane. But the part that Chris Canty gets right here is that what a championship for the New York Jets would mean for a player's legacy. You saw Tom Brady this is a slightly different, but go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and win with them. And that's a team. Yeah, they won a championship in 2002, but they were really struggling for a lot of years. Kind of were just stuck in no man's land. But coming to a, a, another or a legend, I guess I should say, going to another team and winning could add a lot of value to to their own personal accolade. I mean, with Brady, he proved that he's able to do it without Belichick. For Peyton Manning, it was just another feather in the cap. You know, you won one with the Colts, won one with the Broncos. He had Peyton had a lot of success with the Denver Broncos. He had one of the best quarterback seasons of all time in, in 2013. Uh, and I know there was some disappointing years, like they lost uh, the Super Bowl that year in 2013 to the uh, Seahawks in just an absolutely clunker of a game. There were a couple, you know, divisional round loss in 2012 to. Uh, Joe Flacco and the Ravens in 2014, they lost. Who the hell did they lose to? Did they lose to the, uh, the Ravens again? I don't remember. And then 2015, they won. Uh, they won the Super Bowl, which was an okay Super Bowl. They they beat the they beat the Panthers in in that one, but uh, that that matters. And I think Rodgers coming out and adding another championship would only help his legacy. I don't know if you ever have a chance of surpassing Tom Brady. I don't think anyone would, but man, that stuff matters. Getting that second championship matters because uh, unfortunately guys like Tom Brady have skewed it where it's like, if you don't have multiple championships, it's not the same. Patrick Mahomes is a multiple time champion. Now uh, you have Eli Manning is a two time champion and he's held to a different standard because of his, uh, his rings that he's won. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's won a couple. So adding that second ring really does matter. Uh, and that will help his legacy. The next audio file I have is from the New York Jets social media account. It is actually a clip of episode two of Flight 23. If you haven't been watching Flight 23, you are missing out. It's on the Jets YouTube channel. The Jets team and, and just production, social media, video, behind the scenes, all that stuff. They do an incredible job with this. Uh, this clip is talking about Will McDonald, and it kind of puts something to bed. We'll play the clip and react to it. Um, how about this guy, Will McDonald? I had McDonald. I had, McDonald. I had uh, Will, this guy, being nice. That's exactly how I'd say to Will first, Wilbur. Got it. It's a great man. There we go. They're all talking about Will and how he was ranked as one of their highest edge rushers on the board. Uh, you heard they say this guy. It's not they don't show who they're talking about, but they put Will one 
the guy who was on the screen too, and then Van Ness was was three in the pecking order. But an in, another interesting nugget is when the Jets are uh, approaching their pick, there is a video where it shows the three guys that they are hoping fall to their pick at 15, and that order is Will McDonald, Michael Mayer, number two, and number three was Broderick Jones. And Joe Douglas actually called the Pittsburgh Steelers jumping ahead of the New York Jets with the New England Patriots to move up and select Broderick Jones in front of them. I think they liked Jones, but not nearly as much, obviously, as they liked you know, Michael Mayer uh, at tight end, and even in front of that, how much they liked Will McDonald. So um, I was wrong. I was incorrect with the uh, Jets' first round uh, and how they maneuvered things. I think that was an interesting perspective that we were able to see behind the scenes. Now, obviously, team-produced content, they could, you know, put out the narrative or push the narrative that they want to uh, because, you know, they have obviously creative control and they could spin it however they want to spin it. But in this instance, I mean, it, it's right. It's right there. They they liked Will McDonald that much, which is, uh, I, I think, surprising for a lot of people, a lot of the media uh, and a lot of fans, myself in, included as one of those. I did not think that they really preferred McDonald over some of the guys who they thought maybe could have been available for the New York Jets, but they really love his motor. They love how he plays the game of football, uh, and that was very evident in episode two of Flight 23. That was one of my bigger takeaways. Not biggest, but one of my bigger takeaways is just how much they really view uh, and love themselves Will McDonald. You saw, and I've made fun of it, I don't know how many times, uh, with the Jets talk, talking Jets live stream over the three days of the NFL draft, uh, talking about how we uh, we got Robert Sala on the phone, saying calling him Game Wrecker. Hey, Game Wrecker, uh, which is, we always got a good laugh out of. But they like him. They like him a lot. He's going to give them a ton of speed off the edge. I still don't know how much of a role he is going to have in his first year. I would anticipate that he would play similar snaps to what Jermaine Johnson did for the Jets last year. Jermaine was a rotational guy, and granted, Jermaine and Will McDonald are stylistically two very different players. Will McDonald has much more speed off the edge, is more of a pure pass rusher, where Jermaine is kind of your balanced guy. He, he can get after the passer, but it's usually a, you know, a high-motor sack where it's not like this the bendy and the the fast twitched up kind of athlete and he's very good against the run both are again both good prospects and both good players obviously both first round talents uh for for Jermaine Johnson it's they're just a little style and, and Will McDonald they're just stylistically a little bit different but yeah obviously the the Jets have made it clear how much they wanted Will McDonald and they and they got their guy so uh we'll see how he plays in his first year and what kind of impact he has on this New York Jets football team. Let's get to the voicemails. First up, we have main jet wants to talk about uh, Robert Sala's ranking. All right. Hi, Mr. O'Leary. This is main jet calling. Um, I'm calling in specifically about your film about Robert Sala being uh, ranked as the seventh worst coach in the NFL. 
Well, I'll be honest with you, I think it's just about right. Um, he's proven nothing to New York fans, absolutely nothing. Most, what's most important and most egregious, in my opinion, is the fact that he's gone two straight years losing to the Patriots. Now, that means to me that he doesn't even understand the rivalry. Okay, so I don't care whether Zach Wilson has a bad game and throws for two yards in the second half of a game. I really don't care about that. He should have been able to win those games. Now, I would say that year three is a make-or-break year for him. He's proven one side of the ball, but he's absolutely done nothing with offense. And going forward, that's what matters. This is supposed to be a championship year. Let's see what he can do. And he has one of the best rosters in the NFL. So if he doesn't succeed this year, it totally falls on his shoulders, and he should get fired. That's my comment. Thank you, and I welcome yours in return, uh, Mr. O'Leary. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I appreciate the call in, Maine Jet. Uh, I you know, I wasn't far off. I, I had him, as I said, 22 on the list, which would have been 10th worst, so a bottom 10 coach where uh, that, that list had him as a bottom seven coach. He, do, he does have a lot to prove. Now, the, the Patriots thing is a little unfair because they the team outside of really one position did its job in both games. And special teams also played a factor in, the, in that second game. But uh, the defense was stellar in both of those games. Offensively, just imploded. Now there is a, a ton of pressure to for him to beat both of those doing them twice this year, and there there is pressure and and expectations. I agree with you that it is a make or break year for Robert Sala. I would also toss in Joe Douglas in that conversation, which is I guess it makes sense because it kind of loops this all together with my with my intro and what I wanted to talk about and get into today. Uh, I, I didn't think it was that that crazy uh, with his, you know, where he uh, being ranked where he was at, at seventh worst. I had him at 10. So that's splitting, that's splitting hairs as the, as the 10th worst instead of the seventh worst. But uh, I'm not all the way, I'm not out on him. I'm not saying he deserved to be fired after two years. There are some things that he's done that I like. For instance, I think that uh, players respect him. I think he's a well-respected head coach. I think he deserves credit for turning this defense around. Uh, and I think he deserves some credit for uh, how he's handled the, the media in some instances. Um, I think he's you know, a polar opposite of Adam Gase where he's an easy guy to root for. He's a likable guy and well-respected guy. Um, so that's a plus. But yeah, there is there are room for improvement. His game management has to get better. Um and hopefully the switch at offensive coordinator will help that. Will help the offense as well because that's been the, really this team's Achilles heel. Let's go. I don't know why I couldn't get words out there. Let's close out. That was easier. Let's close out with our guy Travis from Ohio talking a, a little Jimmy G mess out in Vegas and why he's happy the Jets ended up with Rodgers. Hey, Matt. What's up? Travis from my home. Hey, buddy. Happy Memorial Day. Thank and, you. And uh, for all the haters out there, that we got the Aaron Rodgers deal done either more expensively or quicker than people like. Look at Jimmy G right now with a injured foot 
waiver. The Raiders could have jumped right in there and outbet us or driven our price up. So that's going to happen, especially in training camp when people get hurt. Like if we would have drug it on, we might as well live with it. We made a pass it. We got Rodgers. He's on our team. Everybody should just live with it now. That's life. And everybody should get off Fireman Ed. I met him in the Pennington playoff loss when Doug Bryan missed his two field goals. And he's the nicest dude in the world, even though I don't begrudge any Patriots fans for hating him. I mean, that's just part of the rivalry. So, anyway, buddy, love you. Go Jets. Thank you so much, Travis. I agree with you. Uh, the any negative fireman Ed um, thinks is just is just way off. I, I don't get that at all. Um, that was a few weeks ago when it, when he went on the the Pat McAfee show. That that I I never I never understood that one. But you're so right with the Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers thing because could you imagine the pushback? that the New York Jets would be getting right now if they signed Jimmy G with his potential injury. The Raiders could get out of this deal for them, thankfully, but they're SOL at the quarterback position. They ran Derek Carr out of town to bring in Jimmy G, and now Jimmy G might not even be good to go because guess what? An injury, which is his was his biggest red flag. And I heard it. You know, he doesn't cost you draft assets. He's gonna be, uh, he's gonna be cheaper. He's proven that he can win. All true. I'm not saying Jimmy was an abysmal option. He was probably what third, fourth best option. But the reason why people were yelling for an Aaron Rodgers or a bigger swing is because of the injury history that Jimmy G had, and the potential that you know this could blow up. We've seen it. How many times has he missed significant time year in year? 10 games this year is what he was able to give you. He played 15 in 2021. That's good. 2026, 2019, 16. Great. But then three in 2018, five in 2017. That's been his biggest issue. It's not his on the field play because when he's on the field, He's a decent quarterback. He's not elite. He's not amazing, but he's an average NFL quarterback. And you can win with him. But the injuries are a major factor in this. And now he's on the wrong side of 30, and the Raiders might be screwed. The Raiders might be screwed. So I agree. I'm glad that the Jets don't have to deal with that. That's going to do it for us on episode 171 of Just Jets. I appreciate you hanging out with me and talking with me through the voicemail. I appreciate it. Uh, Make sure to subscribe wherever you get the show on YouTube or in audio form. Once again, I'm Matt. I'll catch you next time. Go Jets.